Well, good morning, Cross Point. It's been a long time since I've been here. I've preached a couple of times when Pastor Russ was here. I, I think you actually supported us when we went to Panama, but you know, you kind of lose sight of all that. So it's good to kind of be home. Uh, as Kevin said, we did some interim work before we planted in Lake Mills. We planted Real Hope Community Church, and then God called us to Panama. So uh, what a journey it's been, and it's not over. Amen? Amen. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that I have really begun to communicate to our churches is I love the local church, and I love our pastors. And so over the course of, really, it's probably been a decade where Andy and, and Kevin and I and Ryan and Russ took a road trip to Baton Rouge, and uh, little did I know that God would circle back and reconnect us when we moved back to Wisconsin four years ago. So it's my delight to be here. Um, I'm glad that you're an energetic church, because uh, sometimes when you live in northern Wisconsin, uh, people are pretty like, well, I'm German. So don't get close to me. So social distancing, we love it, apparently. <laughs> I'm so proud of your pastor. One of the things I can tell you is he loves this church. He loves Whitewater. And, uh, and there's a great need to have light shine in these dark places in Wisconsin. And so let me open in prayer. We're going to dive into the, to the message today. Father God, thank you for the honor and the privilege to open your word. Father, I pray that this morning the hearers would hear your voice and not my voice. I pray that the Spirit would just penetrate our hearts and minds and deliver the message uniquely designed for each one of us. It's a mystery, but yet it's so profound. And so thank you for this day. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't have to tell you how our life has been totally interrupted. I mean, what a year, 2020. Uh, in the midst of all this, my mom died. She went, with, went to heaven. Uh, her funeral was the 13th, and they closed the state on the 16th. And we had been praying, Lord, just give my mom mercy. Give my mom mercy. And, uh, and he did. And it was an amazing thing. And then, of course, we see every, everybody in the world affected by this pandemic. And there's so many different opinions. And the people that are taking the hits right now are the pastors. So Converge is 1,400 churches nationwide. Our district is Great Lakes. We have 125 churches. I'm responsible for church planting and missions. So if you get this nudge after this talk, it's like, I don't know, maybe God's calling me into church planting. Well, I'm the guy you can talk to. First you talk to your pastor, then he'll direct you to me. Or maybe it's missions. So when we came off the field in Panama, we uh, went to our national office in Orlando. We were there for a couple of years recruiting, training, assessing missionaries. And most converged churches don't know that they can access that. And as you saw in the video, we target least reach, unreached people groups. The mission of the church is going to those people groups that have never even heard the gospel. They've never even heard of Jesus. Like, who's Jesus? We take that for granted in America, don't we? Like, we don't even, we don't even think about there's people that don't know that. And so this is why this message is so important. And we're desperately in need of some hope. We're in desperate need of something to change and to help us make sense of what is going on in our culture and, quite frankly, around the world. Some of the places that you've seen the protests, are, we have been there and we're like, what the heck? How does one terrible murder by a police officer to George Floyd, how does that affect the rest of the world? When we were living in Panama, we met a British couple and they said this, and I'll never forget it. They said, when America sneezes, the rest of the world wipes their nose. 
That's the influence that we have. And yet, friends, we are not leveraging the influence that we have for God's kingdom to advance. I don't know if you saw this. You know, we're like hunkering down. We're binge watching on Netflix. We're getting fatter because, you know, there's nothing to do. And then we come across uh, John Krasinski, some good news. Have you seen that YouTube? It's like, oh, there is some good news. We really enjoyed it. It was so delightful to hear heartwarming stories of fellow human beings loving and caring. By the way, church, by the way, the church should be leading the way. I'm retired law enforcement. When your pastor told me last night that had we rallied around our local police department, I'm like, yes. I'm really connected to that community, and it's just grievous what's going on in the world today. But I want to talk about some good news, some really good news. Can you say good news? Good news. Oh, my gosh, yes. I feel like I'm back in Panama because they talk back to me. Like I was the, we were the minority in this multi-ethnic church we planted. Anyway, spiritual good news. It's the only good news that's ever going to last. In fact, when we get to heaven, do you know that the pandemic will be an afterthought? We're going to go, okay, that prompted like a conversion wave because people were searching for something. So we find this relevant story in Acts 8, 26 to 39. It's going to be on the big screen it's Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. And so let me start in verse 26. I'll read it to 39. Just follow along if you would. It begins, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he, went, he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, odd, strange. And he was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over. Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. I love that. You're going to be prompted to go to people, church. Come on, amen. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before a shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with the scripture. He told him the good news of Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went away rejoicing. Yeah, I bet he did. I bet he did. It's like, whoa. You see the power of God in this. And the reason that, quite frankly, the reason why Philip is headed towards uh, this place is because the Holy Spirit prompted him. But, but he was in Samaria. He was in Samaria because the Apostle Paul, known as Saul at the time, was persecuting the church. And if you read the first part of chapter 8 in Acts, you see like the Holy Spirit is breathing on Samaria and many people are coming to faith in Christ. Now, Philip is first mentioned in Acts 7. He's one of the seven deacons that distributed the food and collected donations. 
And he's the only biblical character that's called evangelist. Say evangelist. evangelist. Raise your hand if you're an evangelist. Praise God. You should all raise your hand. You know, you do the work of evangelists. How many well-known evangelists do we know in our, in our world? Name them. Billy Graham. Hey, who? Okay. Okay. So here's the idea. Here's the idea, the premise of today. God's not looking for those people. He's looking for you to do the work of evangelists, just like he used Philip. So we see this. We see Philip is going north to Jerusalem. Phil is told to go south to the Mediterranean. It's a trade route in Egypt and Ethiopia. Don't think the country of Ethiopia that we know today. And it's this road that Philip is on and he meets the Ethiopian. This historical account really is one of the few historical accounts in the New Testament in the process of individual conversion. And I was up in Hayward, Wisconsin last week, and there was a little nine-year-old girl, Olivia, and I said, oh, you know, how are you? And she was really cute. We met in this fairground, and it was just, you know, a unique setting. And I said, how did you come to faith in Christ? I said, did your mom or dad lead you? She said, no, I just did it. I just prayed. And I said, well, how are you becoming a disciple? Well, you know, every morning, uh, you know, after we have breakfast, we have devotions. Okay, here's a little nine-year-old that the spirit impacted, but that's not common. It's not common. Usually it's someone else leading someone else to the foot of the cross. Amen? Now this Ethiopian eunuch was in Israel to worship, so he probably was a Jewish proselyte. He was a convert to Judaism. And so on his trip home to Ethiopia, he had this life-changing encounter with Philip. So what do we know about this guy? Well, the Ethiopian eunuch was in the high court of the queen of Ethiopia. Candace is not her name. It's a title. It's a royal title. And he's in charge of all her treasure. So he's not traveling alone. There's no doubt in my mind he's got guards. Maybe the treasure, some of the treasure is with him to protect. I mean, he's got bodyguards. He's got servants. He's got, you know, it's an entourage. And Philip had been speaking to the multitudes in Samaria. And then he's told by the Holy Spirit, Go south, this, go south to this area. And you know what I love? Is he's obedient. He has this ministry in Samaria. Multitudes are coming to faith. Why would he leave? Because God told him to. He was obedient to what God had told him to do. I tell you what, friends. I'm going to tell you right now. It's okay when God interrupts your life. In fact, it's perfectly fine. You know why? Because there's a greater good that happens. You may not see it in the early days. Quite frankly, when I'm in law enforcement Fond du Lac. I'm in a junior high school. I'm a knucklehead, big kid myself. And I have 750 kids in this junior high school that I get to minister to. And I would say minister. And I got to dress like this with a badge and a gun. How cool is that? And God was really working at this school. The principal came to faith. The vice principal came to faith. The school counselor was a believer. We'd have prayer meetings. I had a a group of kids on Monday that came to my police office in the school and we had prayer. You don't hear that story, do you? God's still working, friends, and it's okay when he interrupts. And so he sends us to Lake Mills. What? I don't know anything about Lake Mills. We don't know one single person. And yet God establishes a church there that's thriving there today. And had we not left, we would not have seen the hand of God working in Panama 
When we launched a church, 25 nationalities, nations were represented in this church in Panama City. It was awesome. It was so incredible and so hard. And you know what it taught us? How much we appreciate our culture. You think DOT is a burden? You go to get your driver's license? Oh, I got to wait an hour. <laughs> had to wait an hour? An hour? Are you kidding me? A day. It took me four days to just buy a car. I could go on with these stories. You think traffic is, do you have bad traffic here? Shake your head. No, no, you don't. I tell my friends in Orlando, our biggest traffic issue is a, tr is a tractor with a combine. Come on, get out of the way. By the way, God does not want us to stay in the four walls of the church or the four walls of our home. We are not supposed to isolate. I do not believe that God wants us in individual isolation mode. He wants us in community. And quite frankly, we need to go to the streets. We need to go to the countryside. We need to minister to tourists. Any tourists in the road, in the, in the house? Any tourists? Okay, welcome. My wife's from Illinois. I still fell in love with a person from Illinois. I'm in, I'm in, Wisconsin, I'm in Hudson, and I see all these Minnesota plates. I'm like, yeah, Minnesota people need Jesus too. My kids live up there. Our grandkids live up there. Church, I don't know if you know this, but you have values of this church. Do you know what they are? You know, you probably don't. I'm going to tell you two. They're plastered in your office, outside your office. One of your values is this. You are faith-filled risk-takers with a big vision. Well, don't hoot and holler yet. I'd like you to prove it. I'd like to you walk in obedience and go, hey, we are going to live this out because values don't mean squat until you live them out. Until they become so immersed that you all know the values of this church. You know what another value is? I love this church. I love this. You will do whatever it takes to reach people who don't know Christ. Oh, I don't get any hoot and hollers there. People are dying and going to two places. It's either heaven or hell. There's no middle ground. Do whatever it takes. Those random intentional acts of kindness. Can you just smile between your mask? Can you pull down your mask and smile and say, I have teeth and I love you? Can you go to every clerk and say, hey, you know, do you know that there's a God in heaven that loves you? I've been, I've been saying that to people. There's a barista up in uh, Menominee, uh, and she looked at me. She said, well, that's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> and she said, I was raised in an atheist family, and all my friends are Muslim and atheists. I took my coffee. We had one of our missionaries from Togo, West Africa, and I turned, and I went back, and I said, hey, just so you know, there's a God in heaven that loves you. And now you're not going to be able to stop thinking about that. Because when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit to say something like that, that's kind, it's not putting anyone at ease, God can use that. I believe that I'll see her in heaven and she's going to say, hey, were you the goofball that said this to me? And it started me on this path. And I, again, I'm not looking, this is not about me. This is Amber talked about the tools, the part of the body. You all have skills and passions and spiritual gifts. Some of you are introverts. You're like, oh, I don't want to talk to anyone. You're like, Coven is the best thing that ever happened. 
Okay, let's get back on track. I only have, what, five minutes? No, okay. I have an hour? Okay, I love this church. I'm coming back next week. Okay. So what is an evangelist? It is a Christian that has the spiritual gift of evangelism. Like they just exude sharing the gospel, the good news with everyone that they meet. Everyone. There's not a stranger that they're like, hey, I don't know where you're at, so I'm going to share the gospel with you. I'm going to share the plan of salvation. I'm going to share that Jesus died. He rose again. He paid the penalty. You can have a relationship with him. He can accept you. He forgives you. He loves you unconditionally. And they communicate effectively. And they can do it creatively. Evangelists go where God sends them. I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. It's more of a secondary gift. I have a passion of evangelism. When I'm working night shift, and I, quite frankly, I'm not liking people so much because everybody lies to you. And, you know, it's just a dark, dark place after midnight. By the way, parents, that's why you want your kids home before midnight. Only bad things happen after midnight. Can I hear an amen? amen. Kids, listen up. It's true. You're not staying out past midnight. Heard it from me. <laughs> now, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 5. He says, As for you, now, Paul, the older Christian, younger Timothy, says, As for you, Timothy, always be sober minded, endure suffering. Oh, we don't like that. We don't want to skip that one. Endure suffering and do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. Part of our ministry is to do the work of an evangelist. You may not have that spiritual gift. doesn't mean that you can't share Christ with people. I'm, I'm bike riding with a guy. He's from uh, uh, Texas. And I met him on an organized ride. I'm, kind of, I'm a biker. I actually used to race with a group in Whitewater. And, uh, and I'm slowly earning the right to speak into his life. Found out that he was raised Jehovah Witness. Talked about his dad on Father's Day, went for a bike ride. And I'm like, I'm not saying one thing about Christ until that door is cracked by the Holy Spirit. So I'm not forcing it. I've done that in the past. Overzealous, where, you, where people put up a wall like, you freak. I don't want to talk to you about that. In fact, I'm gonna, I don't even want to be your friend anymore. So don't be like that. Don't be a weird Christian. Be loving. Be like Jesus. You think Jesus was weird? Absolutely not. And you don't have to be a wimp. Men, you don't have to be a wimp to be a Christian. And you don't have to be a wimp to share the gospel of Christ with your coworkers, your family, your friends, your neighbors, whoever it may be. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared, always being prepared. What is that? Always? Oh, that is so weak. I go into your bathroom, I took a photograph of it, and you've got a growth plan. Yeah, I'm doing my business. I'm like, oh, growth plan. Outstanding. Now live that out. Live it out. Like actually grow, because you need to be equipped to know what to say when the Lord pre prevents or, or uh, prompts you to share. You've got to be prepared. You have to have the elevator speech. You may only have 30 seconds. And then have the two-minute talk. And then maybe the five-minute. And read their eyes. Read their countenance. Like, okay, they're closing down. They're shutting down. i got to shift. The minute I, I look at somebody and I'm losing them, I'm like, okay, I'm done. 
because they didn't have ears to hear. I'm not going to give what is sacred to dogs. No offense. Jesus said that in Matthew 4. Don't throw your pearls among swine, but don't give what is sacred. This is sacred. Salvation is sacred. It's sacred. We take it for granted. I take it for granted. We should not be that way. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. We should be the most hope-filled, hope-filled people on the planet. And then if we're asked, hey, why do you have a different countenance? Why does it seem like your attitude is, is different than the world? I'm not complaining about COVID. Not freaking out about it. In fact, there's nothing that I'm freaking out about it. I'm troubled. I'm bothered, but I'm going to my knees. I'm praying about what's going on. But then it says, do it with gentleness and respect. We have lost that. Be kind. Be gentle. Ask questions. Hey, would you like to hear about Jesus and what he can do in your life? Would you like to know? Okay, now we, 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 we got a starting point. If she said, I move on. Now, this Ethiopian, he's seeking something. Friends, the world is seeking something. He is reaching out for something he's never known before. And yet, he's not understanding what this passage means. The Holy Spirit is leading Philip by this unmistakable voice within. Like, I, I got to go talk to him. He's disconnected. He's, he's troubled. He wants to figure this out. And so God directs Philip to the right person at the right time. And God uses Philip as the man of the hour who the Spirit of God is using. The word is already in the chariot. How do I know that? Because it says the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah. Don't think Bible. Think squirrel. Uh, squirrel? <laughs> scroll. Any of you have seen the Dead Sea Scrolls? They were in uh, Chicago. How many... Like, I was amazed to see that. They're like this big. You know, I'm thinking squirrel, you know, squirrels? No, scrolls. Easy for me to say. I hope you're not videotaping this, are you? Okay. Okay. Whatever. In verse 30 in, in Acts 8, it says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And again, back then it was customary that they're going to read scripture out loud. So Philip is Along the chariot, he's like, oh my goodness, someone's reading the scriptures. Let me find out what's going on. He's deeply interested, and he asks, how can I unless someone guides me? And he, is, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. He's eager to learn. I love that. I don't know what your daily practice is, but my wife and I, we read scripture every morning. We're not in the same book of the Bible, but we discuss it after breakfast. And we're eager to read it every day. We want to start out our day every day with the first fruits, giving it to God, trying to live out that the rest of the day. I used to tell people in our churches, just read. If you're not reading, just start 15 minutes a day. Set a timer. Or read one chapter or one section. And then ask yourself, what is God speaking to me in reference to what I'm reading? And some days it'll be spot on and others days, uh not so much. The Bible is living and active. It knows exactly what you need. It's awesome. There's no other book in the world like this. The passage from Isaiah is baffling to this eunuch. He's like, who, who is he talking about? 
Is it Isaiah himself or someone else? And this passage in Isaiah 53, verses 7 to 8, is really the first important definite application of Jesus as the suffering servant. It's a powerful passage. We certainly read this a lot during the Easter season. And so Philip seizes the opportunity to present the good news to the eunuch. Then we see the lights coming on with the eunuch. He's beginning to understand. It's like, oh, it's the aha moment. You're talking about Jesus. Who is this Jesus? You know, Paul says in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I don't know if it's your practice, but I will get, uh, I do a lot of traveling, so I have different audio versions of scripture and I like listening to the word because it's a different way to learn and again I'm picking on men but you deserve it um, a lot of men don't don't like reading okay well don't use that as an excuse just listen to it there's no excuse not to listen to God's word and I think that's an affirmation of this passage you know faith comes the more you hear it your faith is increased and I think we all need that today. In verse 36, they say, as they were going along the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, here, see, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? Baptism is that confirmation of an inward commitment that you already made. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's that confirmation. It's that public proclamation that I am a Christ follower. I'm not Buddha, not Hindu, not Islam. I'm Christ. I'm a Christ follower. It's powerful. How often do you have baptisms here? Often? Okay. One of the things I learned from Lake Mills that I took to Panama is if I, and I'm not saying that you have to do this, I'm just saying if I offered the opportunity to be baptized, more often more people will be baptized. I was up at Hayward. I saw this week Pastor Wade baptized someone. I said the same thing. If you haven't been baptized, would you just be obedient and be baptized? Just be obedient. And I always say this because when you come out of the water, it's the symbolic death and resurrection of what Christ did for us that we get to share in the resurrection. When you come out of the water, you feel God's good pleasure. It's awesome. It's so humbling. And so if you haven't, take time to do that. And, and I saw on Facebook this week, there was a, a lady that got baptized. Not that I prompted her, but maybe it was that permission to go, go ahead, here's the nudge. It's okay. There's nothing else going on anyway. There's no sports. Get baptized. <laughs> By the way, God's desire is that the gospel would be preached everywhere Acts 1.8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The size church that you have right now and the three campuses, there's no doubt in my mind that God has gifted and quite frankly called future church planters and pastors. It's a leadership's job to harness that and send them out. Also, there's missionaries sitting here. You've been on repeated short-term mission trips. You know who you are. Maybe God's going to say, get out there. Gospel has to go out. What are you playing it safe for? By the way, your value is to be risk-takers. Remember? Come on now. No amens? 
The eunuch was reading Isaiah, but then he began asking questions. Friend, if you're just kicking the tires of Christianity, this is a safe place. I don't, I don't know you from anybody. You're all strangers to me, except Kevin. Ask questions. Non-believers, those that haven't crossed that line of faith yet, the pre-believers, whatever you want to label them, they ask incredibly good questions. And it challenges me as a Christ follower for many decades to go, oh, I never thought of that. I don't think like that because I'm so immersed in Christianity. Does that make sense? Ask questions. It's wonderful. Friends, we're, we're winding down here, so uh, that's the good news. I'm going to give you three aspects of this encounter that I think affect, quite frankly, all of us. And I think it happens every time a person is converted or there's a conversion. These are three essential factors. The first one is the Holy Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit has to lead. There's a guy that, uh, quite frankly, he and I bike rode together. His wife and two daughters came to Real Hope up in Lake Mills. For 17 years, friends, I prayed for him. The church prayed for him. His wife prayed for him. Three years ago on March 8th, he gave his life to Christ. 17 years later, he's now walking as a disciple of Christ. Doesn't mean all his problems have gone away, but guess what? He's born again. So it may take a lot of prayer to nudge someone to take that step, but you don't know where they are in that journey. It takes the Holy Spirit, and that's what God was doing with this Ethiopian. And by the way, friends, God wants to use you. He'll use you. Most of the time I find Christians say, I don't know what to say. Don't worry about that. Just don't say something stupid. No pressure. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will give you the right words. He really will. And I, I tell you, the tactic that I've been using, I'm asking more and more questions than telling more and more telling. Just ask questions. Where are you at? Second thing is, essential factor is God's word. Like there's power in God's word. It's needed. There's, there's a tactic. There's a, there's a guy, William Fay, that we went to some training. Um, his tactic was when people objected, like, oh, there's a lot of errors in Scripture. You're like, oh, really? Show me. Or he'd highlight passages in Romans in yellow, and then he'd say, hey, you know, I want you to hear God's word. So you read the highlighted ones. And you let the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word penetrate them. It's not coming from you. Those are just tactics. It's just a process. But you got to think through, hey, what does that look like for me? And where do I feel comfortable? And where, where is the Holy Spirit guiding? The word is the good news. The word is the good news. Amen? But you have to hear it. There's this idea of hearing and immersing and getting it in your soul. Paul writes in Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Friends, we have become so non-church in our culture, in the U.S. culture, that we can't just assume that everybody knows who Jesus is. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, again, don't think preaching like offensive preaching, like just opening scripture with gentleness and being intentional. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We were taking short-term missions trips to Ecuador when we were up in uh, Lake Mills. You know, we heard like there there was a repeating theme, like why did it take you so long to come? 
Do you know how that breaks your heart? Have you ever missed an opportunity to share faith and you go, ah, oh, I missed an opportunity? Come on. It's okay to go back, hey, I'm sorry. I meant to say this yesterday. Can I, can I just have five minutes of your time? You know, you're gentle, you're kind, you're getting permission. I don't want to have any regrets when I get to heaven in the sense of, oh, I should have shared my faith with so-and-so, my neighbor, my coworker, and it takes time. The third factor is this, is the human evangelist. The Spirit of God is going to use the man and woman of God who delivers the word of God, the truth of God's word, to the son and daughter of God. So that person can cross that line of faith and become born again. It's a story of conversion that we see in the Ethiopian eunuch. And culture certainly changes, but the need is still the same. Amen? Like, quite frankly, the need is, I think, even greater today as we're spinning out of control, not just in our culture, but in every culture around the world. Friends, if you're listening today, don't be satisfied until you get this kind of faith. As the Ethiopian did, don't just... Start studying the word. Grow in that regard. Your small groups, discipleship, all of that. Reading the Bible. Teaching of the Spirit of God. And don't be, satisfied, don't be satisfied until your soul and your mind is immersed in that. You know, I, I'm, I know some people that have COVID, by the way, and they recovered. And I saw a video last uh, week about a guy passed out in Atlanta that got it, that had a heart attack, probably my age, almost died. And I'm like, okay. Is death the worst case scenario? To live is gain, to die is Christ. I don't want to be flippant about it. Like, I won't shake your hand. I won't breathe on you. I'm healthy, but, you know. But I'm not going to be immobilized by fear of what the culture is saying when I know I need to serve someone, okay? But I'm also going to be respectful. So if you require a mask, I'm wearing a mask. I don't have any rights. By the way, I don't have any rights. I've been purchased with the price from Christ himself. So here's the spiritual good news. Just like the eunuch, here are three things. So again, I don't know where you're at, but can you say that you know Christ and that you're following him? You may know about him, but are you following him? Do you have the assurance that if you did get COVID and you didn't make it, that your soul would go someplace like heaven? Are you, are you convinced of that? We talk about the ABCs of conversion. Here, here's what the eunuch did. He accepted, he believed, he confessed. ABC. He accepted the truth about Jesus Christ, who he was, from Philip the evangelist. Philip, I'm sure, gave more detail than just what Isaiah was saying. The eunuch also believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins and rose again after three days. And we can share in that resurrection. That is good news, friends. Oh, that is, that is such good news. And then he confessed. He confessed his unbelief and his sin that he didn't know Jesus. And he was separated from God. The only thing that holds me together is the assurance that I have Christ in me. And the cool thing is this. The longer I walk with Christ, I sin less and less. But I sin differently. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I get really frustrated with Minnesota drivers staying in the left lane. I'm just confessing that. So I'm, I'm usually sinning when I'm on the highways. Okay. But you can do that right now, friends. A, B, C. Accept, believe, confess. Let me lead you in a prayer. In fact, let's stand up. Because you've been sitting too long. This prayer is specifically for someone that doesn't know Christ, who doesn't follow Christ, and isn't sure of their spiritual destiny.
That's what this prayer is for. But you can pray for your family and friends because quite frankly, I have family and friends that don't know Christ yet. And maybe they'll, maybe the Holy Spirit will use you to win one of my friends or my family members. I don't know. That's how God works. It's a mystery. So would you just bow your heads and pray for those people that you know don't know God and that they're not following God. And maybe that's someone in this room right now. Father God, we are in desperate need of a solution to our sin problem. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner, that I'm far from you, that I don't know my spiritual destiny. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't know what following Jesus is all about. But in this moment, I surrender. I I just say, I've been leading my life and I've been leaning it in the ditch. And I need you to rescue me. I need you to guide me to hope and a promise that you forgive me, you accept me with the blemishes. You don't clean me from the outside in. You clean me up from the inside out. And the blood of Christ that washes over me, it's not the literal, it's symbolic. It's what Jesus did on the cross to, to take the sins upon himself to pay for us. And so, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life. Would you come in and lead me by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you help this church, help me to walk as a disciple of yours? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that, and that was a sincere prayer, it's not even the words that you heard. It's something that, yeah, this, I own this. Then please see Pastor Kevin, the elders. You can talk to me. There are next steps. There are practical next steps. And then there's some discussion questions on the on the screen. Would you engage this? You could take a photograph of this right now. Would you talk to other people about this? This is about stepping in discipleship and growing in your relationship with God. And my prayer is this, that you will make a difference not only this week, but this month and the rest of 2020. Like we're going to finish it strong. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Blessings. Yeah.